0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Up and Away. This week we're joined by Outback pilot Shelley Ross. Shelley has flown to some of the most amazing and remote destinations across Australia. And she has her own website called Flying the Outback, where she shares her favourite flying destinations with the aim to encourage more people to venture into the Outback, as well as to educate pilots on this type of flying. On top of all of that, Shelley has spent 9 years as the editor of Australian Flying Magazine, with her only experience being her drive and passion for aviation. This week I started an online RPL theory course with my flight school. It's a real tough time for a lot of pilots and aspiring pilots out there at the moment, particularly in Melbourne where flying isn't currently permitted. I'd encourage everyone to pursue some self-study and keep that love for aviation alive. There's always something new to learn and it can always be applied as soon as we get back in the sky. Now, fasten your seatbelt and let's go. Hi Shelley and welcome to Up and Away.
1: Hey, Chris. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Uh, So, I thought I would start with asking you, when did your aviation journey start and what first inspired you to take the plunge into aviation?
1: Ah, that one. Well, I guess unlike a whole lot of pilots that I know, I wasn't exactly dreaming about it from when I was a kid. In fact, I didn't really even think much about about airplanes or flying even though my dad my dad was a pilot all his life and um he was in the air force and then worked for ansett for about 40 years but um i never really never really crossed my mind to be a pilot until my husband rossi bought me a flying lesson for christmas when i was um, about 35 oh
0: wow you didn't go at any time when you were younger at all
1: well no no i mean my sister and i used to jump in the in the in the, in the back of the of, of the heavies and come down to sydney uh when dad was when dad was flying for Ansett. but no I, I never jumped into an airplane so when he gave me that flying lesson it was it was complete completely blew me away because we would never ever ever mentioned flying or or piloting at all and um Anyway, so excited and grateful was I after that that I fell pregnant a week later, and then I couldn't fly for eighteen months. It's so a, <laughs> a loser's loser story, but um, yeah, it hadn't uh, it hadn't occurred to me before then, and kind of changed my life. Yeah, um, once I did get into the airplane, I just found it all so diabolically difficult and hard and challenging. I thought, oh, I'm never ever ever going to get the hang of this. But I kind of, it drew me back week after week and I thought, I said to my, uh, my flying instructor once, his name was Kim, Kim Fabian up at, up at Warner Vale Air on the Central Coast, and I said to him, if he ever, ever, you know, gets out of the aircraft with me still in it. And uh, carve his organs out. But i got to say, the the day that happened was probably the you know happiest day of my life. The day you go solo. So I think it was the whole learning journey that uh, that that just kept me at it. And I just got I just got progressively more hooked as the as the you know the months went on.
0: I think it's such a um, challenge that yeah, it kind of makes you want to keep doing it and, well, it does. and drives you forward.
1: It does, it does, you know, and it took me ages to get my um, my, my PPL, my private licence, because we had all by that stage we had three kids under five and um, someone told me you're not supposed to leave them at home by yourself. So I had to wait until Rossi finished work on us you know, on a Saturday to go up to do my one hour flying lessons and that took about two years to get my, my PPL, my private pilot's licence. And I just thought, God, you know, I feel like I know nothing about flying now. And it was kind of my license to start learning when I when I got when I got that first license. And I went on to do to do a little bit more after that just because I wanted to to learn more, you know. And I loved the I love the whole learning journey. You know, I loved going for a particular rating or um, or endorsement and 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 practicing and nailing it and then passing the exam and then okay now what can i learn you know it was that's true. i yeah. just kept on going kept on going
0: yeah i think that's yeah. cool because there is so many uh, s- steps and it's so sequential you can really see your progress we we're talking about this last week in the last week's show actually how it's like very clear and so as students we're like oh it's, it's like playing a video game and going through levels or something
1: <laughs> exactly exactly you think what can i do now you know after after ppl i went straight on to night to my night rating oh great and um and after that i thought well by then i was um i was i was at australian flying magazine and i was always looking for training features to write about so who better to do the training than me so i went <laughs> on to do my to do my commercial license but mainly because i just wanted to be a safer and more confident private pilot and uh wow what you learn there And that was the commercial license. Was actually a massive assault to the brainwaves for me. You know, I hadn't had that knowledge bank topped up since I was about eighteen, and it was a severe, severe shock. Severe shock. um, And in those days, this was in two thousand. I did my commercial, and um, in those days, you had to do all the CPL subjects separately. And I think there were seven of them. And um, it took me. I used to go into uh, to TAFE in a Broadway one night a week to um, to do the theory, and um, had to get the three kids. You know babysat and all this sort of thing. Anyway, when I finally when I finally passed second time around, not first time around. First time around was full of tears. Uh-huh. Second the second time <laughs> around, yeah, got that, got that. And then you think okay, now I maybe I'm starting to, you know, attack that little little iceberg, you know, the tip of the iceberg of knowledge that I'm supposed to have, you know, but you never ever stop learning, I've got to say. Every time I go flying, I learn something, you know. I don't ever ever hop out of that aircraft after a day of flying and and do anything except, oh, yeah, that could have been better. or oh, oh, yeah, you know, I learned that today. And I don't think that'll stop. That's true. You know.
0: What went wrong uh, first time through CPL?
1: Oh, just me wanting to throw every textbook out the window or flush oh. it down the toilet. And it was just overload. <laughs> Overwhelming. And I don't know what a bloody echo aircraft is, and you know who cares about the milk run weight and balance? And don't start me, Chris. Don't start
0: me. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people stress out, and oh, even no. the ATPL as well. I've heard it's very hard. That test. Oh yeah, is, so. yeah. You
1: know, someone shoot me now if I no. I'd yeah. never do the ATPL, but uh, <laughs> the, the yeah, the it was just it was just hard. Um, so, but it was a, it was a challenge, and, and I was determined to to get it. And so, you know, it was um it was very very rewarding. Once I did do it, I never wanted to fly commercially. I didn't do it for that reason. I just wanted to, as I say, just just be just a bit safer and know a bit more about what was going on. Yeah.
0: So, what uh, other ratings and endorsements have you got?
1: Well, apart from night, which I haven't used since, and I don't really oh, ever, right. ever ever ever. Ever want to um i like to think that um i organize my days so that i don't run into end of daylight but you know you have to do a fair bit of planning for that for that not to happen um so commercial and then i did um i did a three-day uh, i did a three-day course where i got my um my my float my floating hull seaplane oh wow endorsement. that's cool. that was probably that was probably the the um the best fun I've had sitting down in an aeroplane for for in, in in my life. That three days, it was wonderful. I'd had a um a, I'd grown up sailing, and um it just kind of all made sense to me. I did it up at the Gold Coast, and it was just enormous fun. So, but that was for a story for the magazine, which we span out over over two over two issues. So it was fun to write, and um you know it was worthwhile going 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 through the paces of of, of doing it. Um seaplane and then i went and did my um i got my private instrument rating after that we're up to about 2008 now i just kept i kept looking at forecasts and i would ground myself at the prospect of one of one gray cloud so i thought you know better to better to sort of arm myself with a few tools as to how to get out of a tricky situation if i did ever get myself into cloud inadvertently rather than avoiding it all all altogether I've got to say, the best, the best rating I've ever done. It's, uh, it just gave me a lot of confidence. It, um, it pushed me beyond just going out in clear blue skies. And I knew also living in the Sydney Basin that that was the main drawback to getting myself out back, by which state the love affair with the outback had already begun. And I kept thinking if only I could get over those ranges, through those clouds, I'd be in beautiful blue skies. It's
0: just on the other side.
1: Yeah, it's just over there. Just (laughs) over there. That's right. Um, So I I went down to um, I went down to Curtis Aviation where where I used to hire where I still do hire my Cessna 182s, and um, and I and I went through my rating with um, with the wonderful Rob Marshall, who um, who uh, if there's anything you know that there is further to know about instrument training. he's the, he's the, he's the man to to go to, you know, there, there ain't nothing he doesn't know know about instrument training. So I had a, I had a wonderful experience with him teaching me and still, and still, you know, testing me these days with instruments. Um, and I kept it at private because as I said, I didn't, it, it was never my intention to do any charter work or anything. So Um, that was my, my PIFA, which I still use quite a lot now. Um, and then more recently, about five years ago, I did my, um, uh, completely lost my mind, I'd say, and, and decided to become an, to become an instructor. Um, who knows, who knows where that, well, I know where that idea came from. We, um, it's, it's a long story. It's a long story. Probably there was gin and wine involved in the decision in the end, but um, yeah, I just I just thought, well, there's a, there's another challenge. Why don't I just throw myself headlong into a into a nervous breakdown and get, and get my instructor rating? So that's been a journey. That's been a journey. I went back down to Curtis and Craig Marshall, Rob's son, put me through that, and that was that was fantastic. I learned so much. I came out thinking, what did I know about flying before <laughs> I started the the instructor rating? Anyway, um, once again, it was it's very, very rewarding, very challenging. But, um, you know, it's just still part of this whole learning journey that I've talked about earlier. Yeah,
0: I think the instructor rating thing is cool because, you, you know, if you can teach it, you really must know it. So I think it reinforces the stuff you already know. Yeah,
1: that's the theory. That's
0: mm, yeah. the idea. <laughs> so, did that happen or not? Is the question.
1: Of course, it did. When okay. I lied you, When I lie to you. you know? <laughs> if you say things with enough conviction, I'll believe you. Of no God, no, yeah. no, really, I do. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think you're being modest.
1: Not at all. Not at all. There are some, there are some wonderful mentors out there. My my um, my business partner, my friend, my boss, Catherine Fitzsimons up at Ward Air in Bathurst. She's um, she, she's she's tremendous and a, and, a, and a great great support to me. And I've learnt lots from her. And I get um, I get all my instructing work through Wardair out of, out at Bathurst. So um, it's been um, it's been it's been great to have her. You know, she's she's got my back and she's had a lot of faith in me. And and I really. You know that that's what everybody needs along their aviation journey at some point.
0: Yeah, I've heard there's pretty much every pilot and aviator's got a team of people around them that sort of help them and encourage them and give them inspiration throughout their journey. I think it's great.
1: Oh uh, yeah, in, absolutely vital. You know, going right back to my to my origins, um, to to the beginning of my training, I remember. Oh, in about 2004, something like that. Um, I came across Graham Boatman down at Stall Aviation in Victoria, and he did a um, some advanced. What did he call it? Something like a bush a bush flying course. Anyway, and um, and they and they invited me down to do that over about four days, and I stayed with him and his wife in the house, and he taught me he taught me everything <laughs> everything you know to keep me alive on bush strips and in mm. low, low 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 flying situations and it was absolutely it was it was so so memorable i'm still remembering things that that he taught me then and uh from there i learned about their safaris where they take um tag along tours around australia like we we do now but i joined one of those to the kimberley in i think 2005 and that was the first time i'd really been well i'd been to birdsville but you know this was this was to the kimberley and really under there under under his um under graham's guiding hand and constant advice and suggestions and anecdotes and he had a, a wonderful two IC Val Kennedy, who who was also who was he was a wonderful commercial pilot, and those two pretty much taught me how to fly the outback. Mm. You know, you, you you don't you don't really have a clue as to how about how to go about doing doing a trip as complex as 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 over all that different terrain. I'm just looking at my map. Um, Unless you have someone there to, to sort of just give you give you a little bit of a guiding hand as as to you know what what to expect what to, what what you're going to come across how best to approach this scenario or that and dirt strips and all that sort of thing so I, I owe a lot to to uh, to him um, and I remember a couple of years later I did um, I went up to Maitland and Phil Unicum was was I, I did a um, I think advanced uh, Advanced flight, something about um un un unnu- recovery from unusual attitudes. Oh, the bugger, he threw me around in the pits and I just about <laughs> <laughs> he hurled up all over him for two days and he thought it was hilarious. But I remember that his theory that he was teaching me. Phil's way of teaching is is very, very. Um, it, it, it it gets it, it's logical, easy to understand. He is a, you know he's an instinctive teacher. So, you know, Phil was another one whose whose lessons I, I I I remember a lot um, about. So yeah, there's always someone that's going to teach you. Um, Teach you a different way, or yeah, you're gonna you're gonna remember you're gonna remember the good people in your in your learning career. I, I, I must say, sorry, in your in your flying career, and those um, they really helped me.
0: You mentioned uh, aviation journalism earlier and working for the magazine. What got you into that?
1: Oh well, that was a funny thing. Um, one of the first trips that I ever did um, once I got my private pilot's license, I went out to Burnsville um, on a on a on a a nav with, as usual, people about 25 years younger than me. I'm always the oldest one in every every given navigation situation. But but it turned out to be the Birdsville um, – it was the weekend of the Birdsville races and it was probably – Probably the funniest four days of my life, as, I, as as I look back. And I came back from that. I think it must. I think it was '99, and there was a hellish dust storm, absolutely diabolical dust storm. And I remember screaming out in the middle of the in, in the middle of the big apron where where you sleep under the wing. And I was in this. I was in this. Oh, um, um, sleeping bag with 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 dust from head to foot, just yelling out, "Am I having fun yet?" It was just <laughs> the, worst, the worst thing ever. I came home and I wrote a story about that four days in in Birdsville. And um, I was working for my husband Rossi's company across the road uh, from the news agent. And I went into the news agency and I thought, "I wonder, I wonder if anybody." I wonder if there's a magazine around that wants to publish this story because I just written I've written all my life. Yeah, right. And uh, and so and I picked up Australian Flying and I thought oh yeah this looks like it might have stories the same as 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 as, as what I've just done. And so I sent it and it, it was it was so long ago Chris I, It was almost written on parchment paper <laughs> and and I had all the all the um all the photos um which that were that were little prints like you know, had the had the digital age even been invented? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I and I stuck about 40, 40 photos that I'd taken because I love photography too, into an envelope with my hard copy and, and shot it off to this to this guy who I saw was the was the editor, um, Doug Nancaro. and and Doug published that story um, pretty much word for word. He he didn't even he didn't hardly change anything. And that was pretty interesting. We, we then, um, you know, we, we kept in touch and he put me on his, his reader advisory board and I just did volunteer work for him for a year, which I, which I just loved. He'd send me he'd send me scripts and, I'd, and he'd say, what do you think I should do with this? And I'd say, well, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it, but this is what I do with it, you know? And he eventually put me on as assistant editor. Wow. Um, I said, y- you must be crazy. I said I don't know anything about publishing. What are you doing? But he had faith. I don't know where that faith was founded, But he had faith, and he said, "You can write, Shelley. That's all I want." And um, and uh, I think he said something really subtle, like, "And you've got the um, you've got the maturity to to be really good at people and time management." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, right. I'm an old dude. I know that." So anyway, he put me on, and within yeah, within about a year. Um, uh, I was editor, and I stayed there for ten years.
0: Wow. So
1: who knew? Who knew, Chris? The world just, you know, throws things at us that we don't see coming sometimes. Yeah, it's
0: your choice to take it or leave it, I suppose. Hey?
1: Yeah, yeah. But it was thanks to Doug. I mean, once again, it was someone that had faith in me that 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 you know threw me a bit of rope that I could either hang myself on or <laughs> you know let, let it let it rip. But he was he saw me, I think, as a um, as a typical reader, and he wanted a he wanted a, a breath of fresh air into the magazine, and you know I wasn't following any publishing guidelines. I was just writing and putting content in there that I reckon people would want to read, um, and that advertisers would be attracted to, you know having having their having their work displayed in. And you know, and that the finance department were happy, happy about, you know. So we just, we just rolled it along, and yeah, it, it they, they were, they were, that was a good, a good ten years.
0: What was some of your role as editor? What did you have to do?
1: Well, I virtually just had to fill 80, 84 pages every eight weeks, and man, alive, did that eight weeks come round fast?
0: <laughs>
1: every, every issue, I'd say, right, I'm going to get terribly, terribly organised this time. And I'll just chip away at it, and I'll do something every week. And because I was doing so much training, and I loved to write, it, to, to 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 write myself, I was I was having to do a lot of the flying, um, and the training, and the writing up of those stories, as well as getting other people to write as well. So there was a bit in it, um, and there was also a fair shortage of aviation writers at that time. We 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 had um, we had some some um, some gold medal. Um, Journos in the form of Paul Phelan at that stage, and Jim Davis um, came, came on board while I was editing. Um, they produced, you know, faultless copy every single issue, which is which is like gold. I, I, I loved that. But then you have to chase around for some for some content, you know, to make sure the gliding guys are happy and the helicopter guys are happy and the and the more advanced. You know, ATPL guys, uh, you know, see see a little bit of content in there. So it was tricky, um, but I, I mean, I must admit, my focus eventually became the the destinations piece, um, the 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 outback destinations, which which um, you know, which had a, a, a had a big following, because um, I think that a lot of people. A lot of people get their licence and then don't know what to do with it. You know, they they think, okay, I've got that and I've taken my three best friends for a fly and there's no way they're going to come with me again. So now what am I going to do with my licence? And I kind of I, – I I, I I heard that a lot. You know, people would say, oh, now what will I do? And I thought, well, maybe I can, um, I can just do a regular feature on um, destinations you know, easily accessible from, say, the capitals, from Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and, and everywhere seems to end up in the outback or at least, re- you know, re- regional New South Wales and, you know, in the, in the middle of the country. So that's how, um, yeah, that, that's how I come, the outback thing, all, all evolved. Um, yeah, but after I'd been, after I resigned as editor in um, after 10 years, I, I just did the freelance destination stuff for the, for the next eight years before I resigned, yeah. Oh, wow. Well.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think... Um yeah, I mean, Australia is such a big country, but a lot of it is outback, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of daunting about, you know, thinking about where to fly.
1: It um, is, yeah. I mean, Australia as a country is absolutely made for light aircraft flying. When you think about the distance, you'd be having, you'd, you'd be crazy to drive it. How many divorces would there be on those roads <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: if whole distance? Um, and we've got relatively benign weather, really. Um, there's, there's hardly any, any, um, any air traffic at all. So, you know, it is, a, it is a, it, it's, it's a friendly, great, logical place to have a pilot's license. Um, and, but it, but it, you know, there, 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 just aren't very many people, you know, compared to, I know that the States has got a massive, massively bigger population than ours, but even, even ours, there, there aren't very many pilots who, who fly, and so it is, you know, beautiful getting out to the outback because it is so. It, it, it's just uncluttered skies. It's wonderful.
0: Totally, um, and I think that leads to your venture flying the outback. What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, the website Flying the Outback um, really just just was born because I, after writing all those stories, all those years, and taking all those photographs, I, I, I actually just wanted a home for them, and that's how it was kind of. You know, originally thought of. I just, I just wanted a home um, for, you know, to to just show. I guess the places that have made an impression on me around Australia. And as they as they grew, I I just took it upon myself to find new to find new places and to take the best photographs I possibly can and to and to write. Write in a, in such a way that people are going to know why should why should they go why should they go out there and um, what what are they going to find when they when they get there you know and I tell them how we enjoyed it how we got there maybe a, maybe a safari route to get us there and back really in just the hope of getting bums on seats and out to the outback because a lot of these people. I mean, through the, through the hideous years of drought that, that we've had over the last, you know, say, say, 20 years, a lot of these properties are opening their, their doors to tourism and to supplement their income. And you know, if they're going to go to the trouble of, 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 of putting airstrips in, a lot of them have them already, but of maintaining the airstrips to a certain, to a certain standard, then the least we can do is go out there and give them some business. But they need they need the exposure. You know, a lot of people don't know where to start with regard to, to to farm stays. There's a lot of farm stays out there that are for road travelers, but 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 you know, there's a limited number that have that have um, airstrips. And of course, when 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 we visit, we not only need for them to have airstrips and accommodation, but they have to feed us. You know, so the catering has to come in as well. So. Um, yeah there's a bit involved in, in 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 choosing where you where you go um, in the outback but yeah so 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 the the website is really just it's just become a a kind of a list of all the all the places that I've been to around Australia in 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 their various states um, and and yeah a really a really big really big happy description of what they're like and they're not going to be on the website if I wasn't happy with them so oh but there are a few that I'm happy with I haven't got round to writing on
0: right. yet. <laughs> so yeah just as, as a disclaimer right. if you're not up That's there right. then you may be That's yeah
1: sure. <laughs> Don't shoot me. I've just been busy. But we just, actually two weeks ago, we just got back from Queensland and we and we found a new place called Mount Mulligan Lodge. And I was so excited. I was so beside myself when we got back home that I jumped on and, 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 and put it up there on the website. And, and then I look at my to-do list and I thought, oh, God, you know, I haven't put Signet Bay there. I haven't uh-huh. put but roadhouse there i haven't put you know i, I love Marimbula that's not on there so it's it's not because i don't love you it's
0: just gonna have a good time <laughs> Marimbula is one of the first places i'd like to fly once i, oh, once I get my, yeah. yeah i yeah. love i love that part of the world and yeah it's, it's a bit of a manageable journey i think so it is yeah
1: so you're melbourne,
0: melbourne yeah yeah um well
1: um, I don't mind plugging my friends. You have to you have to go and stay at Tuscany with our with our friend Neil Burke. He's awesome. he's he's a pilot himself. He is he's he really looks after pilots when they when they come to marimbula You know he's out at the he's out at your aeroplane with a, with a beautiful bucket of cold drinks and he'll drive you to the apartment and. Um, you're about a street away from the beach, and you know, cranky cafe coffee. Yeah, it's great. Oh so.
0: well, I'll I'll definitely get in touch then. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Do you know, friends all over the all over the country. That's what you want to aim for, Chris. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be long. It won't be long. You just have to stick at it.
0: Totally. S- yeah. Stick at it. Your um your conviction has inspired me to keep going, and I'm sure it's inspired other, a lot of other people too. So. Well, you're going to learn
1: a lot easier than I did because I was um, you know I had a few decades on you,
0: and the brain stopped. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I won't uh, count my chickens before they hatch. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how do you prepare for a really long trip like uh, some of the ones you do? I saw that on your website. You've done your, your long air safaris. Um, what do you have to consider for that kind of outback and remote flying?
1: Yeah, I've got to admit they do take a bit of. Uh, they do take a lot of planning, and for me, I want to do all the planning at home, all the all the um, all the itinerary preparation, all the research on the destinations, all the fuel research. Where can you where can you get fuel? You know, don't believe what's in the air, so all that sort of thing before you go. Just so I want to free up my headspace for when I'm out there. You know, there's enough surprises that happen when you're out flying. You don't want to still be thinking, oh, geez, I wish I'd looked this up before I came away. Um, so, you, you, and I always research, first of all, I choose playmates. Who, who, who wants to come? You know, I love... I love company. When my, my husband Rossi, and I, he loves to come flying with me. So we, we, he's he's happy, and he, he doesn't even he doesn't even know where we're going half the time. <laughs> we might be going for three weeks. He said, "Did you did you say we're going to Western Australia?" Oh yeah, yeah, we are. Okay, um, but I he, he won't he won't care where we go. But the other pilots in the group, um, and we've got a mob that we've been flying with for years now. Mind you, two of them were from Melbourne, so they couldn't come with us last last week, last oh, yeah. last month. Yeah, lockdown. Um, choose your playmates. Figure out some 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 gold destinations. You know, where does which bit of Australia does everybody want to go to? Pick the time of year. You know, you you don't you don't go north in the summer. You don't go south in the in the in the winter. Um, and then there are, there are, then there are places that are always going to toss up some some some. Fiddly weather like Southwest WA, um, and and how long do you want to be be away? What budget you you, you can all afford? And then that's when the the wonderful um, flight planning software comes in. I use Champagne three thousand software on my PC, and I use Oz Runways on my I, iPad, and um, both of those. But let's just say Oz Runways is fantastic for planning because you 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 just you you just Open, open it up, and then you go ping, 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 and you just put dots on your map. Is that going to work? No, that's too far. You can you can chop and change your ideas, but um, but it's it's absolutely invaluable for quick for quick planning, even for a three-week trip, you can get a bit of an idea, oh, we're only going to get as far as, you know, Cape Leveque or do can we go down to Broome in a day, you know, or how far across to Horse Creek, oh, can we can we cross the Tanami Desert and, and, and get to Ayers Rock, you know, oh, is there enough, you know, all that sort of thing. It's 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 so much easier than it than it used to be. I still take away all my whack charts and I still mark them up and I love having that on my lap. But um, but but in the in the planning stages, the software is invaluable.
0: It's pretty cool because it calculates every aspect.
1: Does it? Does yeah, yeah. You still have to have a tremendous um, grip on the on the weather. You know, every day and and a few a few days ahead and, and a couple of safaris we've had to leave a day early because there's there's been some shit coming over the mountains or a leave like on this last Queensland trip we had to wait out diabolical weather for 24 hours um, and then and then we could then we could go but yeah the the, the planning software works out you know distance distances and mileage uh, sorry distances and and say fuel calcs. Um, vaguely for you enough to get a grip on a, on a, on a daily on on how how far you go in a day because you want to make sure that everybody's comfortable on a on a daily basis so you don't want to be flying six hours a day mm, yeah you know you want to you want to maybe do a couple of hours have a have have a stop for fuel or or even lunch and then a couple of hours in the afternoon or else you know. Or else you know, you 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 come across some bad weather and suddenly the day's gone and you're not at your destination and yeah, so I like to get up early, get flying and often be at our destination by lunchtime.
0: Makes it much more relaxing. I guess the whole point is to have fun and not, not kill yourself doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be really ideal if you didn't <laughs>
0: Do, do you have to plan in at that stage any contingencies, like alternate landing places and aerodromes and stuff? Or?
1: You you should always really have um, a good idea of what's around your destination. You know, if you don't if you don't make it to there for some reason, what is your plan B? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, plan B. Um, and that's why you don't give your give yourself. You know, you don't give yourself long flights to do close to end of end of daylight. You know, you don't give yourself long flights to do before before there is a um, you know a fuel stop. You you know you if the, like I said if you if you do all your planning before you go there is less to think about um, in that in that regard while you're away. But yeah, you, you've all you've always got to think about the the what if situation. Mm. Um, and in, in in the in the um, in the field of of weather, you know. You've always got to have a back door, and uh, and always be, be prepared to turn around and go back from where you came if 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 it's all looking like turning to muck up up, up front. So yeah, contingencies and plan B's, absolutely.
0: And even uh, you were saying not to trust Ursa a lot of the time. Does that mean having to call up places and and check if there's going to be fuel there prior to the taking yeah, off?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I say don't don't, don't trust Ursa, it, it, I mean it's it's the absolute bible for our flying. But but sometimes there will be uh, sometimes there will be new things that have happened at that particular place which haven't had time to get into the Ursa. So if they're if they're not in in the NOTAMs for a particular place, I always just ring up the number in the Ursa and say, you know, hey, we're coming in with three aircraft in ten days' time. How you know is availability is the bowser okay? You know the local kids haven't used it as a as a as a as a set of wickets and it's gone off off the. Off the, off the apron um got enough fuel and is and and is the payment um, process is, is the payment facility as it says in Ursa mm. yeah we got to one in um, Mariba the other day and they had put in a brand spanking new um, p- form of payment called fuel charge and that was an app that you had to have d- um, downloaded. All right. Onto you, onto you, yeah, and we didn't, we didn't know that, and that was a lot of fiddling around. Um, I did have big chats to those fuel charge people, but, but they were actually really um, grateful for the for the feedback. I said, you know, that's fine to do it, but just give pilots the heads up that they need to have downloaded that app before they get to to the actual Bowser, because we were we were heading off. We needed to head off quick smart too we had to fly all the way down to hamilton island that day and we couldn't afford the time so yeah it's it's just a matter of picking up the phone and ringing the ringing the fuel people and saying you know what can we expect but they're they're generally good 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 guys and i'll tell you what's going on yeah
0: yeah so what what kind of aircraft do you take on these uh trips
1: oh well yes Everybody who knows me knows I have a love affair with the Cessna 182. <laughs> you know, the 182 is, is what I've been flying for 15 years. Um, it's it's big and roomy. It's got, you know, lovely robust landing gear. It's got a, you know, a big Lycoming like, workhorse under the bonnet, as I say, and um, I'm very used to it. Uh, so for two people, you can take full fuel as much luggage as you want and it's got really good endurance, you know. It's got more endurance than my bladder has, really. So you know, no dramas there.
0: In the future, so, yeah. the super luxurious thing is having the toilet and an autopilot.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be very heavy, though. It <laughs> would, yeah. then, you, then you couldn't buy the case of wine when you go wine tasting and bring it home, Chris. You kind of think about oh, that. That's true. yeah, good yeah, point. yeah. yeah. <laughs> We took we took two people, two friends of ours, away with us on the June long weekend out to um, just western New South Wales, and um, and I said to them, you can take five kilos um, each. So they were very good. They came with about eight kilos between them, and uh, and that 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 was absolutely awesome because um, we. Uh, it meant that it meant that we could share 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 the you know just the joy and the and the, the fun and the beautiful landscape with two with two people that had never been flying before, and uh, their their comments were more about the process of, of, of flying than anything else. They were terribly interested in all the radio calls because everybody gets headsets and can listen in, but also the amount of preparation and and um pre pre-flighting that that they were having to wait around for me to do all the time it hadn't occurred to them that it was yeah you know, they they that it takes so much time to get everything right but I'm a Virgo and I and I will double double and triple check everything before <laughs> I go go flying I'm I'm tedious in that regard but um yeah it's it it's uh it's enjoyable to take friends away, um, but I think on a long, a long trip like a, sometimes we do forty-five hours across to the Kimberley or um, Ningaloo Reef or somewhere like that. Um, I think that it becomes a little bit preclusive with regard to fuel stops to only be able to take a certain amount of fuel to accommodate, you know, two more people in the back. So we tend to just keep it at keep it at two, two people.
0: How many fuel stops is that on the way to say the Kimberley? Oh
1: well. Um, about maybe seven or something. You know, we will we we will take um we we might take eight, seven days or something to get there, and we'll stop at our favourite places on the on the on the way up. And you know we, we will stop in the middle of Queensland. You know, we've got a, a one of our favourite places is Shandonvale Station. We'll stay there for a couple of nights, which is brilliant, brilliant. Um, and then we we all we. We often stay at Adele's Grove. We love. Um, we've had a wonderful time at Catherine. Um, oh God, there's a million places up there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just check my website.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, and, and and we'll either be overnight and then two nights before we get to uh, maybe three or four night stays once we get over to the uh, to the uh, drop dead gorgeous destinations over in the in the Kimberley. Yeah. Yeah. Do a bit of fishing. Yeah. Looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's good.
0: And that's you flying from Sydney, or well, near Sydney.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I fly out of Camden in southwest Sydney. Yes, um, and then our Melbourne crews will meet us. They might meet us at, at I don't know, Burke or Nakanda or or Windora or somewhere. And our Marimbula friends they'll come up and meet us. Yeah. So we'll all we'll all gather. We, I've even had um, my. Kiwi friend Pete Merwood from New Zealand fly fly over and um, and they'd come on a couple of trips. Oh, once. wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once you take off and you're doing your long remote stretches of land, uh, is most of your navigation VFR, I presume? Um, uh, particularly over the Outback, I presume there's not a lot of low visibility i'm sure it's like you can see for miles and miles
1: yeah often often it is often it's via it, it's vfr a lot of the time it is and if you choose your 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 months um it should it should be vfr but you know we're prepared to go ifr if need if need be um but there's a lot of um a lot of featureless terrain out there which um which can which can make um which can make you uh, try hard with navigation. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that there are many pilots around that don't have access to GPS now. And so, in in a, in a, in um, in that sort of terrain where there where there is no features to be guided by, like if there's no rivers or homesteads or or, or towns to go by, everything starts looking the same. And um, and and if you didn't have GPS to help guide you, or in, indeed, you know, if if the, if the screens just went blank, you need to um, have a have a good grip on, you know, wh- where am I and where am I going? And so, um, from that point, you that's when you really have to concentrate on holding your heading, and um, and 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 checking your checking your time to see when your distances, you know, should should be up and you know, where your next waypoint should be and look out for that and perhaps if it's not there, look left or right. Maybe the wind is, you know, coming from a different is sorry, stronger than forecast and blowing off course. Um, but yeah, you, you you just need to need to have your wits about you and and, and always be prepared for that GPS to you know, to black out for whatever reason at any at any at any time. And that's another reason I like to have my whack chart on my on my lap and mark off my um my estimates and actuals for every, you know, every, every 10 miles or every 20 miles when I get out out west. But yeah, it's certainly something to think about and is in your future, Chris. Yes, exactly. After that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why I was asking that question. <laughs> uh, in particular, when you're out in that crazy sort of remote featureless land, what happens in an emergency situation? That seems pretty scary.
1: Well that's another good reason to, to travel with friends yeah. you know to travel with people in in other in other airplanes you can you can let let, let them know immediately and you're also in in contact all the time with, with with center with with usually Brisbane center um so you know you are never you you're never out of radio range there um but you just go through your, your your normal checks of glancing out the window every now and again and thinking okay if um if all the noise stops out the front then where can I put this this aircraft down you know mm-hmm. have a have a bit of an idea all the time about where the winds coming from where where you could where you could put it put it down on the on the ground safely and and, and you'll you'll know um, very early on in your training where where um, we're taught to 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 glide an aircraft home and um, you have to sort of keep that practiced even um, you know in 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 between all your all, all all your trips away and all your, all your other lessons I think everybody should practice their you know, their forced landings all the time. But you know, if you're if you're doing it if you're doing your pre flight properly and the maintenance has been done has been done well, um, and you're vigilant during the during the flight, looking at all your gauges, then there shouldn't be those surprises. And if and if you don't like something en route, then make sure that you get it you get it checked, you know, the next time that you land or or give your lamey a ring, you know, and ask, Hey, I'm not I'm not happy with this this temperature, what's going on, you know, and try and avoid an emergency, yeah.
0: Have you ever had to find a mechanic while you're out on a, a long journey?
1: Um, I got, what did I do? I got a, oh, we, we had a flat tire in Burnsville. Well, it was tedious more than anything, yeah, but right. it was, it was not, not groundbreaking. And then um, I, I was over in the middle of the Pilbara one year and it was absolutely blowing dogs off chains. It was so, so... <laughs> So windy, and we and we came back to the air, aircraft after being uh, 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 coming home from coming back from our accommodation, and the wind had completely come from the other direction. And my pitot cover, my my pitot tube cover, I must say the elastic wasn't great on it, and it had blown off in the severe winds. And sure enough, I had a little bug, I had a little a little wasp in the pitot tube, and. Um, so that, and I saw that on the pre-flight. I just saw his little bum sticking out of the pitot tube. oh, you little bugger! And anyway, so uh, I I gave my lame a ring, and uh, we 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 there was nothing that I could do about it because that 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 it, it requires it requires a it's got a it's got a heated part within the pitot tube that you know that was that was not mine to to dabble with. So. I was able to fly down to um, down to Kalgoorlie actually without any airspeed um, indicator, and it was and and, and, it, and it, well, it's funny, it's funny. You, you you really listen to the engine. Oh like yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know you've got other ways to work out your, your you know your ground speed and stuff. But um, we pulled into the into the layme down there, and and he was able to to fix that. But um, no, I don't think I don't think anything else has happened. That's why I. You know that's why I I rent my aircraft from Curtis because I you know I trust I trust that the maintenance is has been done very very well and uh, I wouldn't be I'd be I'd be very reticent to take an aircraft who, whose history I don't know about. So mm. yeah. I'm not into surprises out there, Chris. Really, yeah, I don't you know? blame you. <laughs> no, no, I want to get out of the aircraft. I want to just okay now where's the local pub where can we go and meet the locals and have a freezing g and t and I get to know these um, you know get to know the people that live out here that's, that's for me I don't want any engine problems you definitely
0: don't want a holiday after your holiday hey uh, 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 uh. when you're landing on the, when you're first landing at your first strip or aerodrome what do you have to do particularly like the remote stuff so when you're on your approach what's some of the steps that you have to take
1: well um if it's if it's a dirt strip that you haven't been into before, just the main thing is to have a really good chat with the with the with the owner of the of the strip. Ask him to send you diagrams, send you all the information you need about its elevation, its length, its direction, whether there's a windsock, whether there's any soft spots, um, where you know where the where the parking is. Are are there any obstacles? Um, and then you approach it like any other landing. You know, if it's if it's short, sure you will have to do a short field landing. But if you if you are um, if you if you have all that information and and you have got um, and you know you found it okay. So the Latin long have to will have to have been been correct and don't don't mistake it with the with the little road to Auntie June's house next door. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. a great landing, but the uh, yeah, runway's right. over there. This is my correct. driveway. <laughs>
1: correct. That's right. That's right. Um, and then yeah, do a do a a low pass maybe do two low passes and have a really really good look at the surface to make sure that it's uh it you know it hasn't got any any little little rivers flowing over it or 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 little bits of fence post in it or you know or indeed any stock on it
0: you get the air horn out to get rid of the kangaroos too
1: yes yes so dawn and dusk there will there'll be more likelihood of, of of kangaroos yes um and if there's one kangaroo hopping across the the strip in front of you you can be pretty sure that Mum and dad and the kids are going to be following. So, mm. yeah, I've had that happen to me, which was character <laughs> character building. Anyway, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of care on strips that you haven't been to before.
0: In addition to all the amazing locations around Australia, I saw you've also flown overseas in and across southern Africa. How was that?
1: Oh, yes, well that was a bit of a dream come true. Um, once again, my Kiwi friend Pete Merwood and I d- d- hatched this hatched this plan that we might we might all like to go and, and fly in, in Southern Africa, and so it took us eighteen months to plan that. Wow! A lot of the research was finding the finding the 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 the, the company the the tour guide company to take to take us because um, we we felt like we we would be getting the best of the destinations. If we had locals out the front, and we knew that the flying was the flying, and the maps and the procedures were all going to be so different from here, that we thought, let's 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 put ourselves in the hands of the of the locals. And there was a, a company called um, Air Safaris Internet. No, African Aero Safaris. That um, the, the we got to do it for us, and um, they gave us a Uh, a 12-day itinerary um that was mind-blowing it really was and there was three three of how many of us there was eight of us from from Australia and New Zealand and then the uh and then this guy Dave Van de who came along as the tour leader and his brother in an air van they were great and then about three days before we were leaving they said oh Shelley there's a few of my mates that think that this sounds like a really fun group. Can they come too? Well, yeah. <laughs> knock yourself out. So three of three of his friends came in it, solo in um, in their own little aeroplanes, and they and they were local guys, and that was hilarious. They wow. were just <laughs> a party parties every night, and you know they would do crazy crazy things and land land on massive salt pans and. Um, you know, they I remember they radioed up to me one day and, and said, Come on, Shell, come and land down here and I said, Be buggered, you know, I'd rather set fire to myself. I will see you I'll see you when, <laughs> when we get to the other end. They were crazy. They were in a fox bat, I think, and two Saturnias. Right. I was gonna
0: say you'd have to be in something pretty light with some yeah, biggish yeah. tires yeah. to do that.
1: That's right, that's yeah. right. They they were. Um we had uh, the the biggest hassle actually was was finding aircraft to suit us. Um, I think I eventually took a 182 um, P or Q something like that. I remember it had red upholstery. Yes, um, and none of not many of the gauges worked, but that's okay. That's alright. We, we got there, and then one of the other um, couples had a uh, Cirrus because he owned a Cirrus over here. Um, yeah, but there there aren't very many good quality aircraft for hire over there. So that that was. Oh, I'm glad that that um. That our our guides were able to source them for us, and then you know, then we had to do an air law exam to to uh, satisfy their insurance um, standards and do a check flight. Obviously, so um, I had to do my check flight down at Cape Town International, which was interesting, but um, it was all worth it. You know, it was it was incredible. You know, the game parks they took us to, and the flying was was a little bit different from here uh in the in in the actual view out 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 the window they have this kind of a a pall of smoke most of the year there are some months that you absolutely avoid because of that and so we we did avoid those but there was still not the clarity of beautiful crisp blue skies that we have over here but yeah the destinations and the people we met were unbelievable
0: where did you start the journey from
1: um lanseria near johannesburg oh yeah and um, we went up, we went up to the Zambezi and back down through um, Botswana, and um, yeah, it was mind blowing. I think I think I've got that. Yes, I've got the map on on my website. Um, and so after that experience, we thought, okay, where else can we go? And and we did we did a similar trip over. Well, not a similar trip, but but we we did one with Air Safaris International over in northern Canada. Oh, Over cool. in the Maritimes, that was about a, a ten day a ten day trip. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then Rossi and I, the year before last we, we just went and did some float plane flying and bush training in Alaska.
0: Alaska and Canada, home of float flying. That's the place yeah, to go.
1: Yeah, it really, really was. Yeah. We um, we were based at a at a place near Talkeetna in uh, just about two hours north of Anchorage and um, to do our float plane flying in the most extraordinary week of flying in my life, I'd have to say. Just the, the glaciers, the, the bush flying, because we, we, we did some bush flying um, and landing on glacier lakes and things like oh. that. They're just extraordinary, extraordinary. So, I mean, we're pretty privileged with what we have got access to, mm. you know, around the world. With, with, with If you do your research, once again, it takes ages to do all the research and planning for this. Um, but if you if you listen to people and, and get recommendations um, and then make up your own mind we we disregarded a couple of recommendations for another place in Alaska and I'm so glad we did um, because you know where we ended up was was fantastic
0: that, that might answer my next question which was gonna be what was your most enjoyable flight that you've taken so far
1: yeah it would have to be the Alaskan week
0: uh, all right well yeah what was your favorite Australian trip so far
1: Um. I want to say I think it was probably that very very first time I ever went over to the Kimberley, just to see those red rock gorges and the beautiful archipelagos. You know, the Bonaparte and the Buccaneer Archipelago off the northwestern coast of the Kimberley and the and the um, and just those massive rivers and, and the coastline, it, 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 absolutely spellbinding. Really, I just adore I adore the Kimberley. Um, Tassie, we, circumna- we circumnavigated Tasmania a couple of times with with, with Ward Air, you know, the, the, the flying school up in Bathurst that that, that, that I fly with. Um, and we take training tours around around there and twice we have managed to circumnavigate the whole island on bluebird days. And when wow. you get down to that southwestern coast, you know, beyond Hobart and keep on coming around around the coast, you know, next stop. Antarctica. Mm. It's it's really really remote, but staggeringly beautiful. Staggeringly beautiful. That's amazing um, about the world. That is, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is. And then you find little, you find little little like we found Three Hummock Island in the middle of Bass Strait on the way back. You know, two people live there. It's wild. <laughs> it's I love listening to their stories. You know, I love forest in the middle of the um, in the middle of the Nullarbor, where once again it's managed by two people and and they, they give you a night to remember if you if you land there and refuel and stay the night. Yeah. So the the place is just dotted with all these wonderful stories, ripe for the picking if people just can, you know, do some research and get themselves out there.
0: Totally. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite regular place you like going, like often?
1: Uh well, for the for the very reason that there are too many places in Australia to go to the same place twice, you know, I want to say I want to say no. Um, it's kind of fun getting getting together with all the girls in the AWPA, the Australian Women Pilots Association. Every year, our AGM is held in a different state, and so we fly to whatever whatever place in that state is hosting it is hosting it that year so cool. we've had some we've had some fun times doing that, be it you know, Perth or or, or Brisbane or, you know, where wherever. Um, that's fun, but no, I don't have oh, I do have a bit of a soft spot for Bindara Station,
0: which is just <laughs> I was like, south. there's gotta be something. Yeah,
1: no there is, yeah, no. Bindara Station I love. That's just south of um, Broken Hill. Oh cool. Um and that's all about Barb who runs it. She's got a beautiful beautiful homestead and accommodation right on the banks of the Darling and we've seen the Darling fall and we've seen it completely and utterly dry. In fact we had a dance on the on the floor of the uh, the Darling River.
0: It's not great at the moment.
1: No. And it's not and it's not too good now, but Barb, who runs it, um, Barb lost her husband um, several years ago, and she and she she stayed on, and she still runs that place because she adores it. And just to just to meet her and spend time with her is an absolute joy. She's it's a privilege to know her, and um, yeah, that's the sort of person that would take me back to the same place. But yeah, Bindara is very very special.
0: Mm. Awesome.
1: Yeah and I think the other ones yeah Shandon Vale I love Buller River Station I adored um Mount Mulligan is the new one on the list. That was that was that was great. Um, but you know, we're even we're we're now um, forced to stay within New South Wales, and so there's you know there's there's plenty in New South Wales to go to go and see.
0: Pretty big state, so yeah. It's
1: all doable. Yeah, it's all doable.
0: Following on from that, then what would your dream future flying trip be? I'm sure you've got something in the back of your mind that you want to be doing.
1: Well. What we had planned this year was to go over to WA and and swim again with the whale sharks of Ningaloo, which we did a couple several several years ago, and um, and just visit some of the um, there's a farm stay and there is a there's a there's a couple of places at Ningaloo that deserve some we need to discover where they are. Um, Coral Bay is really nice, but then there's a couple of stations which which I'd love to just poke my nose in and have a look out over there, and then um, and then we're going to go up to Thevenard Island, which is off Onslow, which has got a paved airstrip, which is a really weird thing, but I really want to go and see that. Um, and then, Kimberley Coastal Camp is pretty high on the agenda to go back to. That's um, that's a beautiful fishing and just a, a out there remote remote lodge where you can't get to by by road. Um, Oh, Chris, there's too many places. <laughs> Not enough time, too many places to go. I, want, I have all my joints holed up for the next 20 years so I can get <laughs> flying. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's always going to be places that so yeah. it's about making a priority list and slowly ticking them off. It's like, again, the uh, learning and having all your things in a row that you want to check off and yeah. you know, complete, so...
1: Yeah, I haven't managed to um, to convince any of our three kids to take up flying, but you know, still like,
0: time. yeah, <laughs> could be we're like doing... you where you didn't immediately. Well, but,
1: true, so. true, true, true. Yes, they they'll they'll come on. We've done quite a few harbour scenic Sydney harbour scenic. There's a there's a really nice flight you can do over Sydney and over over the harbour. Um, we've done that with them with them all and with their various mates, but. I haven't seen them pull out a theory book or uh, you know, mention that they might <laughs> like to follow in mum's footsteps. Maybe it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hold rank in the cool pool to do anything that your mother does. <laughs>
0: uh, I think I think flying's pretty cool, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, um, Rossi loved it so much. He he, he learnt to fly, so, All right. awesome. yeah, so he can he he uh, but it's not a priority for him, you know, mm. he's, he's busy with his work, so he just when we go away he just loves to you know, Fold his arms and just relax and make me do all the
0: work. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in the back seat. <laughs> oh, I don't put
1: him in the back
0: seat.
1: <laughs> no, he's gotta serve up the jelly beans to me in the front seat.
0: That's right. where he sits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well awesome. Thanks for having the chat about Outback flying and, you know, sharing your career and journey so far with us. Hopefully yeah. you, that inspires some people to go out and see the beautiful country
1: yeah no absolute absolute pleasure yeah no and um yeah if anybody if anybody needs to you know just have a yarn at any stage you know sometimes it it can just start with a with the conversation totally yeah 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 no worries chris
0: all right yeah thanks for coming
1: okay pleasure see ya.
0: thanks for listening to episode four don't forget to subscribe as well as follow us on facebook and instagram I'll be still giving away up-and-away stickers and badges to everyone who writes a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week.